Hey, there we are. All right. We made it. We made it. <laughs> Even though it seemed grim at best at times. That's all right. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 267, your once weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the early goings of the show, and we'll give some shout-outs as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the Super Secret Chat and the even more Super Secret After Party immediately following the show, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. People are saying my audio's a bit low. Let me see if I can fix that. Sounds super hot to me, but super hot to you? Yeah, weird. But I'm not the important one. I did change my compressor quite a bit, trying to even out some crap that was going on in the audio over the <sighs> last week or so. Uh, so that's probably has something to do with it. Uh, let me see if I can just give it just a touch more gain on the, uh, dist or on the OBS side of things. There we go. That's peaking where it should. Excellent. Cool. Welcome to the show, everyone. Or is Brett much louder than usual? No, my, my, uh, my volume meter was a little low. I was like at negative 15 dB. So, yeah. Who knows where I am? I'm on a different mic and interface every single week. Yeah. So just to shake things up, I like to challenge myself five minutes before the show starts. I like to say, what did I do last week and what can I do different? Not even what can I do better? What can I do different? <laughs> Red is what we call a wild card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so. putting it politely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. We talked about this. Uh right the last show of, of the year of 2022 uh every time you think you get a little momentum here man something just like punches you straight in the nose um i got off the air last wednesday and i was feeling like okay i have been sick ever since getting off the air last wednesday uh it it started with like this little bit of like a stomach bug for like two or three days and then saturday i felt fine and then i woke up again sunday and i had this little tickle in my throat and uh all of my kids have been sick all week long like the in entirety of since you lost last saw me uh fevers and coughing and hacking up lungs and coughing so much you throw up and just uh it has been a week. And if you can tell, my voice is like already tired. So got a non, non-zero amount of sleep last night. I uh, can't even tell you how much sleep I got last night because every time I started walking toward the bed, another child or creature would wake up and demand my attention. Naturally. Yeah. So... But it's going to be a good show. Uh, obviously, it's the week after CES. Lots to talk about. Uh, there's especially big news with both AMD on the graphics side and Intel on the CPU side. 
and there's combinations of video and GP or video and CPU stuff on both sides to talk about, but completely different use cases. All very interesting stuff. Uh, Kelsey Grammer has started up a brewery and John Deere is reversing course on some of their anti-right-to-repair measures. Actually, a good number of things were reversed in a memorandum company-wide. So it will be very interesting to see if the uh, poster child for anti-repair that's not a tech company uh, kind of has some comeuppance in the rest of the industry. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but we're going to start today like we do every show. Uh, Rhett, what are you drinking tonight? Something that I've never heard of, uh, a brewery called Barsidious Brewing from uh, Lebanon, Oregon. The 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 real real annals of Oregon here. Uh, it apparently it's a stout ale, a black stout ale. It's silky smooth chocolate will seduce you to embrace your dark side, embrace the darkness. You know you want to. Um, we'll see what happens. Barsidious. I've never heard of Barsidious. I do know where Lebanon is at, but <laughs> yeah, I'd never heard of it either. And, uh, it was sort of, uh, I had a friend come over, uh, last week and she was cleaning out her fridge and left all of her junk beers at my house. So, uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. It was either this or an Irish red, but the description of the Irish red sounded awful. <laughs> And you know I'm okay with a good red ale every once in a while, but uh, yeah, I yeah. Don't know. You, Just you, you've also got to jive with what's written on the can, and uh, I've I've picked up stouts, and I've just gone no. <laughs> but after this... after, I'm not for it. Right, <laughs> I poured this so badly, but uh, you can see it's really dark. Yeah, um, really well carbonated. Uh, you know, I wasn't trying to pour it with all that head, but that's just kind of what came up and smells really thick, really dark. Definitely get the notes of chocolate in there. See what happens. Awesome. Uh, I, too, have a stout and then I have uh, something else for uh, for when this one's gone. Uh, this one, I think I've had one of the variations of this multiple years ago, like like. 2018 2019 you know it seems like six months ago at this point but uh <laughs> uh yeah back back before before the dark times uh from ex novo here right here in portland uh this is their kill the sun Ooh, it, fantastic can i, I love yeah, these that cans. looks that looks cool uh so they have much like the Bourbon County Stouts, uh, they have different colors for different flavor profiles and, and recipes and things like that. Uh, it's an annual release. They are absolutely fantastic. Um, so this one is the 2022 edition. It is the Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels with coconut, chocolate, and almonds. And that was just kind of singing my name tonight. Um, I've also got one that is vanilla and chai tea that, oh, that sounded sounds good. amazing uh but i figured i'd better drink that one on a video shoot so you could have a couple ounces oh thank you i appreciate it <laughs> yeah the other one i have lined up see normally i save to talk about my second beer until i pour it Dumb. but i notice steve always mentions his right at the top 
Yeah, I, I think there... we just kind of go with it. Go with it. Yeah, I, I always defer to the co-host to like, what are you drinking? Like, start us off and gives me a second to catch my breath after the intro. So the longer he okay. talks, the the happier I am. <laughs> well, then I'll just stick to my guns. I'll wait till I till I open it yeah. to talk about it. So no, on on uh, announcing all of your beers ahead of time, it is dealer's choice. So. Not um, quite as dark as I was expecting. Uh, this is uh, like a super dark coffee, but yeah. it's not pouring like molasses. Oh, and this is 12%. <laughs> Mine looks a little darker than yours, but... It probably is. Uh, I, I would bet yours is a little darker. But mine's not 12%. Is it? God, I hope not. No, it's 8 So uh, it's not... People are demanding a light test. Uh, I can guarantee it's going to pass the light test. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. You, you you can see we do get a little bit of an eclipse on the side as we're as we're reaching around, but uh, I think actually that's more reflection from my hand. So yeah, it definitely passes. Yeah, time for the John test. <laughs> that was one of the best moments ever on Talking Heads. What was the John test? <laughs> uh, John was doing his uh, alcohol-free beers. His uh, his NA beers. Mm. uh a year or two ago in march when i was doing mixology march and right. uh uh on the show uh i had uh cracked out like a i was trying to get get john's goat so i cracked out like a 14 percent or something like that <laughs> and here john is trying to drink this non-alcoholic stout it it poured like skim milk uh number one like it 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 poured like it had no body at all, like less body than water. Uh, and he poured it in the glass and you can, you can kind of see a little reflection through it. And I, I said, that is not a stout. There's no way that's a stout. And so he holds up a flashlight and shines it through. And it's like, yeah, you can see the light through it. I held mine up and it was like solar eclipse. Like there's <laughs> love it. Oh, that was so much fun. Yeah, if you want to think about how wonky time feels, it's been almost a year since I started showing up to Craft Computing Studios in person. Yeah. Like on, a year. On the regular as a Yeah. Like, well, yeah, I get, you know, I've been at Craft Computing Studios before, right, you know. Right. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, but being paid to be there. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, no, you've been editing for me for year and a half almost almost two years uh yeah been been doing a, a lot of the editing workload and then uh yeah last last february uh yeah yep. wow yep that's money that's money i'll never see again <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> well you know i guess if you think about the cyclical nature of investment and no <laughs> You are an investment in the growth of the company. However, uh, December didn't do us any favors. <laughs> no. uh, you know, I, I almost blame society for that one. You know, it's like... I really do, yeah. If if we could figure out how to stop getting everybody ill and then, like, maybe make the holidays less important. Um, that would be fantastic. I... I I, I've always, I mean, I, I commented during that, that last uh, live stream with you that, uh, you know, the holidays for much of my life have not been like a happy time. Uh, yeah. it, it's only very recently I've kind of found like some new joy in watching my kids experience, especially as I've had 
more children and and right they've grown up and really gotten excited for it like uh like this year we got them bikes and so i got to be that dad assembling bikes on christmas eve and putting bows and throwing a blanket over the top of them yeah fun and uh and getting to see their faces uh in fact three years ago on christmas eve um we surprised miss my oldest uh i drove up to I drove an hour and a half north to pick up Rambo uh, from a breeder oh, right. on Christmas yeah. Eve and, oh. and brought him home. And so, uh, yeah, Ram Christmas Eve is the anniversary for Rambo at our house. Uh, oh, that's and, uh, cute. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like that's that's really when Christmas started clicking for me again. Uh, yeah. But there was so that's much cool. not good uh, <laughs> through the years. Yeah. Um, from but I don't know. Things, but yeah. I don't know if you ever feel this way in general. But like, even even long before, you know, this this last December, it's like I feel like I find a good groove, and maybe it's just because of like the way that we sort of arrange, like our school year, for example, is like a really good way to look at it. It's mm -hmm. like I finally find a groove, and then oh, here's a week off for Thanksgiving, and then like maybe I maybe I find my footing again, and it's like here's two weeks off for Christmas and New Year's, right. and. And then I'm like, why bother? <laughs> as much anymore as I am wholly against the corporate America, you know, five day, 40 hour, you have to yeah. be in your, I, I hate paying people for the amount of time they spend. I like paying people for the work that they produce. And, right. and that has always been, that's always been something that I've strove to do in my, in my personal life and, and things like that. I, I like paying for skill. I like paying for, you know, vested time that someone has into a skill because I take my car to a mechanic, not because I can't figure out how to change an alternator. It's because I can't do it in less than seven hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about this earlier too, in the studio. It's like, it's like, yes, I know how to mow my lawn, but between all of the other things I have right. to do, you can bring your awesome, this dude, the guy that mows my lawn, he's got like a stand mower. I don't know what you call those, but uh, it's like this things you see on like a baseball field, you know? Uh, and he's like, going around corners at like a perfectly 90 degree yeah. and it's just standing on the back of it like oh yeah and the um, dude mows my lawn in like 15 minutes he'll go and like hit all the weeds and trim the bushes and he's gone in like less than an hour right uh every thursday morning uh which is fantastic because thursday is kind of our slow day That's every thursday day. morning i know every thursday morning uh our lawn guys show up uh well i mean it's my lawn guys day too that's oh, what oh, i'm nice. saying <laughs> Uh, but yeah, right around nine o'clock, nine thirty, the lawn guys will roll in. Um, they uh, they do four of the five houses on our cul-de-sac is how we found them, and it's like, oh, you do the neighbor's house, and and apparently, like a decade ago, they used to do our house. Like the guy's been doing it forever, and so he was already familiar with the property, already uh, already knew kind of what we wanted, and. and you know, they've helped do things around the house, around the yard that I didn't have time for or whatever else. But they show up. There's three guys. They tackle it. And in 15 minutes, it's done. Yeah. And like everything is done. The bark is yeah. raked and the, the grass yeah, they is make cut it look perfectly. Sharp too. The bushes yeah. are trimmed and the leaves are raked up. And it's, yeah, it's like I could spend three hours on a Saturday and not accomplish what, what three guys do in 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> $45? Yeah done <laughs> yeah exactly it's just like i don't know it's not an issue of expertise or can't or won't mm -hmm. or whatever it's just man time is so important these days and i feel like 
if I can have these guys take a little bit off my plate, then it's money worth well spent, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. Anyway, uh, how is, oh, yeah. how is your beer? And then we'll dive into the news. Uh, cause I well, want to talk about mine. Cause Holy crap. Some of y'all might've seen my face. The first sip I took. And when I was just getting only head, uh, the taste was pretty bad. It tasted almost like burnt, uh, like cocoa or maybe even like burnt coffee beans in a way. Um, but now that I've gotten down to the, the real meat of it here, it's not bad. It's a typical, no frills, nothing exciting, nothing challenging. Uh, what did I say this was? Yeah. Stout ale. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what a stout ale is versus just like a stout. Cause it's, it has the, a lot of the characteristics of just a stout to me. Yeah. But well, a stout is technically an ale. Uh, oh, uh, well, there you go. So, but I don't know why they're differentiating a stout yeah. ale versus they do. a stout. Right. So, um, I don't know why the difference is between like dark lagers and, and double yeah. box and things like that and stouts, but a stout is technically an ale. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but it's good. The burnt flavor. I don't know what that was in, in the head. Um, now it's just kind of a nice, thick, dark, chocolatey stout. Um, nice. No frills, no, not challenging. Not the best I've ever had. Certainly not the worst, though. So, uh, you know, give it up to Barsidious because it's a drinkable 8% stout. So, uh, Ex Novo, Kill the Sun. Um, oh, man. Bourbon County's got some competition in this one. Um, so this is, again, an imperial stout aged in bourbon with, uh, coconut, chocolate, and almonds. And, uh, the nose of this is like an almond joy. I mean, it's just like pure coconut and almond and chocolate. It, it is fantastic. Uh, Probably some of the best coconut flavor I've ever had maintained in a beer, and that is a difficult one to get. Um, uh, it's rich. It's thick. The bourbon kind of kicks in midway through with this... I don't want to call it like a sharp note, but it, it's a very pronounced note when it kicks in. And, nice. uh, and, and then it's... It's like a bourbon and uh chocolate cherry kind of kind of fade out on the flavor oh it is so good i am so digging this thing especially considering the last couple years of bourbon county have not been fantastic like 2020 was amazing but then 2021 was like eh, I, I think yeah. it needed a i think this needed another four months in a barrel um this is smooth it's mellow this this is like the top tier bourbon county stout but from portland <laughs> silver falls brewery just uh released a uh barrel aged both a barrel aged stout and then uh something they're calling a tennessee whiskey barrel aged imperial stout mm. um they're like 25 bucks for a bomber though so i didn't i was gonna get one for the show tonight but uh 
I didn't. I I could uh, I could split one of those with you. <laughs> Maybe I'll grab one then. Yeah, pick one up. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Kren chimes in with five Aussie bucks. Thank you very much, sir. Good night, mates. Uh, I know the feeling got two sick hours after a late night meeting. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, or got sick two hours after a late night meeting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now I get what you were, what you were saying. Um, yeah, no, like I was pretty okay during last week's show. And then, uh, uh, like I, I got on the after party and I'm just sitting there for 30 minutes just going, I don't feel good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been sick since then. <laughs> um, so my middle kid came home from school Friday. Uh, they called us at like 10 in the morning on Friday and said, she's like hacking up a lung and you probably better come pick her up. So we went and got her. Um, yeah. And then it's just been downhill from there. Like every other kid has had it. And Pushing hundred fevers <laughs> and, and everything. Oh, yeah. The plague is real. Anyway, let's go ahead and jump into the news. A uh, little bit of some somber news here. Uh, Sim Wong Hu. Uh, you might recognize that name if you're a, a child of the 80s and 90s when it comes to uh, computer technology, specifically around uh, either... Uh, sound and audio processing, MIDI, and gaming uh, on PCs. Uh, uh, Sim Wong Hu was the uh, creator of the Sound Blaster for Creative Labs. Uh, he pretty much revolutionized the sound processing industry when it came to PCs. Uh, he was very instrumental in... Uh, basically creating the standard that everyone started following from the inception of the sound blaster on uh and uh if, if you've ever installed a dos or an early windows game uh specifically like from 1987 and then through about 95 or so uh you would see options for a hundred different sound cars there was adlib there was gravis there was uh uh, a whole bunch of others. And then you had Sound Blaster and Compatible. And you would click that, and your sound would work. And it's in no small part thanks to uh, Sim Wong Hu. So, uh, definitely an interesting uh, interesting read on this article. Uh, thanks to Ingadget for posting this one. Uh, but yeah. Uh, creator of essentially what we what became the standard for PC sound uh, passed away this week. So, yeah, when I was first getting into PCs, you know, it was like still almost a requirement to have a sound card, and uh, I don't think I could have named a single other <laughs> sound card. <laughs> it was always just like, nah, man, you got to get Sound Blaster. Mm -hmm. That the. Uh... Uh, there are so many Sound Blaster cards over the years that I I legit lusted after. Like, like sell your left nut. <laughs> I, I want that sound card. Um, <laughs> I finally bought one of them. Uh, I bought a, an Autogee SE2. And uh, uh, when I was trying to build my retro PC, I wound up not using it because the hardware I was trying to use was too new to still have uh pci 
uh, PCI bus. And so, and I, I wasn't going to deal with down converting PCI Express into PCI and, and whatnot. I, I was trying to build an ITX retro rig, which I eventually did, but I had to give up on using PCI and period correct hardware. Um, but yeah, I, I did end up buying a couple uh, really nice Sound Blaster cards. Uh, um, I think it was an Audigy Gold, something like that. Audigy Gold or Audigy SE2. Um, yeah, the A64 MIDI soundboards were amazing. Yes, they were. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the uh, the Sound Blaster that had the... Was it the Extigy? I think it was the Extigy. Sound Blaster Extigy. Uh, there were two or three of them, and uh, they included five and a quarter bays for your front panel of your PC with 20 different input and output connections on them. They had everything from uh, uh, your composite, your RCA uh, sound outputs and three and a half headphone amplifiers to... Uh, optical out, MIDI in and out, uh, 5.1 dedicated surround out for, you know, multi-speaker setups and everything. And uh, they had so many ins and outs on a PCI card that not only was the PCI card itself full, they also had a breakout uh, off the 15 pin for like an extra 10 or so connections and then a front panel board with another 20 connections on it. That's how much I.O. they fit into this PCI card. It was nuts. <laughs> Remember reading about that card in uh, Maximum PC magazine. I think I still have that magazine, <laughs> in fact. So, Page 69. No, it wouldn't have been that far. Hardware reviews were typically in the 30s and 40s, but yeah. Dang. <laughs> I was just trying to go, like, remember when I pulled out that magazine and I had a Morrowind thing on it and you guessed the page that Morrowind was on? <laughs> I still think about that. I was, like, shuffling through my basement. I was, like, saw that magazine again. I was, like, oh, <laughs> how did he do that? <laughs> it's you find things, I know things. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> That's why we make a good team. That's right. <laughs> All right. Moving on to some AMD news. And uh, boy, I don't I don't know that I could do the intro to this one any justice. So I'm just going to throw it up there and let's have at this thing. AMD just uh, showed off why chiplets are so... I was I was literally just about to read the subtitle there. Uh, why chiplets are so freaking cool. Um, we all know that because AMD makes their process nodes all on chiplets, that they've got, they basically only produce three pieces of silicon anymore. They produce their CPU, uh, which is a single CCX module. It's a single chiplet that can be inserted onto a board. And it's the CPU. It has four Zen cores with hyper-threading, and they're unlocked, and so many PCI Express lanes, and so much cache. And then you add multiple CCXs <laughs> on, and then you put on an I.O. die, which is the other piece of silicon that they make. Uh, and uh, it 
it's the interconnect for everything and has PCI Express lanes of its own and, and memory controller and everything else and unifies the cache and gives gateways between the chiplets and makes everything work. And that's what a Zen CPU essentially is. Then AMD also has their graphics division. Now they do make different pieces of silicon for the graphics division. It's not just one single chip kind of like it is for the for the Zen CPUs. There's multiple different dies for, for graphics. But essentially, it's all the same design, just scaled up and down. Well, what happens when you have chiplet CPUs and chiplet GPUs? What if you just put them on the same chip? And that's what AMD has done here in a phenomenal display of engineering prowess. Uh, AMD's new uh, server-based graphics card is, make no mistake about it, made for AI. This is not a gaming card. This is not anything like that. Uh, I doubt this will even have implications in VDI, cloud gaming, cloud computing, anything like that, because the technology is a little bit different to utilize the CPU and GPU on the same chip for rasterization and ray tracing. We'll get into that in a minute. But there are applications for AI, for AI-assisted development, learning, processing, machine learning, uh, that kind of like if you think of just the difference between a CPU and a GPU, one of them is really good at using a million hammers all up on one project, and another one is good at using one really big freaking hammer, but it takes a little while longer. And that's kind of the difference between a CPU and a GPU. Um, a GPU has thousands of cores that will simultaneously work on the same task. And, and an individual core can't do anything. But you put enough of them together and they'll move mountains or at least rasterize them. Uh, it, when it comes to CPUs, uh, they are brute force machines, but they are so fast at individual tasks that one CPU core can brute force its way through just about anything. Uh, and they're two very different concepts for how you process data. Well, there are AI tasks that would, that are definitely GPU, designed around GPUs, designed around those, those multifaceted execution units. Uh, that could absolutely use a little bit of brute force alongside of it and vice versa. There's, uh, there's accounting software and, uh, genome decompilation and, and things like that, that are very CPU intensive, that maybe they could use some GPU horsepower to help guess the next piece of the equation that the CPU hasn't figured out yet. Um, uh, that's how we get, that's how Intel was so fast until meltdown and specter uh things happened is what was called speculative execution they were guessing two and three steps ahead of the math that they were trying to do to guess the answer that the computer hadn't asked yet to spit out an answer even faster that's in layman's terms uh and that's that's actually what was exploited during specter and meltdown was the data that was being held in cache used for that guessing algorithm uh there's definitely use cases where AI processing uh, for image recognition or uh, the fab thing to do right now on, on you know, the 
the social medias is to have AI recreate you an avatar and, and whatnot. That's obviously GPU dependent, but man, if your CPU could sit there and crunch all the numbers in the background and then just feed the GPU the data that it needs to then assemble an image, that's feeding up your whole process. And like I said, the, the implications of this are pretty much endless, but this die is massive. Uh, NVIDIA's RTX 4090, the AD102 Ada Lovelace GPU die, is 76.3 billion transistors. Uh, and it's one of the largest monolithic dies that's ever been created. Uh, AMD's MI300 has 1346 M, uh no MI300 Oh it's an I. Yeah, I'm MI sorry. 300. MI300. Idiot, Idiot, Brett. Um yeah, the MI300 has 146 billion transistors. It is literally double. <laughs> <laughs> literally double the square inch size of the die and double the number of transistors. It's, it's crazy. Uh, they're going to be using RDNA 3 uh, for the graphics architecture. Uh, but, uh, or sorry, CDNA 3. Uh, it is the compute-specific version of RDNA 3. So same underlying technology, but different API, different, different instruction sets. Uh, and... Uh, Packaged alongside a Zen 4 CPU with a 128 gigabytes of HBM3 memory integrated into the card. So this die has a Zen 4 CPU, a, a CDNA3 GPU, and 128 gigs of HBM3 memory, all on that one package. <laughs> <laughs> uh it will be shipping sometime. Oh, and by the way, the uh, the Ryzen 7000 CPU that they've integrated onto here is also their 3D stack technology. Uh, so it's the faster variant and uh, faster cache latency uh, of of their their CPU tech. So again, they're they're throwing the best of the best at at this thing. Uh, obviously, you're never going to be able to afford a card like this, at least not in the first five years of its lifetime, uh, and. Uh, yeah, it'll be making its way to data centers sometime in the middle of 2023. Which means it'll be making its way to eBay by 2028. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe to the channel so you don't miss that breakdown. <laughs> yeah. May of 2028. Yeah, talk about uh, cloud gaming server. <laughs> What could you do with with seven MI three hundred? The video writes itself. Are we going to be limited to to uh, you know twelve gamers by then? Or <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, I, are are we feeding eight K direct into your retina? Like I was going to say, yeah. I guess I guess it depends on uh, I if can't gaming play technology. Anything less than two hundred forty frames per second, it gives me a migraine. Yeah. <laughs> I only have the 720p retinal uh, implant, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm, 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 a I'm stuck at 480i. Are you kidding me? Not only that, but my retinal display will be like a, a 4x3 display. 
<laughs> widescreen's a lie. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's Your true. eye is three by two. It's simple math. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, John Deere this week uh, made some shockwaves within their own industry and and some larger shockwaves that have been felt in the tech industry for a lot of different talking points and a lot of different reasons. John Deere this week published a right to repair memorandum uh, or a memorandum of understanding with the American Farm Bureau Federation, AF, AFBF, that uh, basically gives the green light uh, to farmers <laughs> to repair their own equipment. You know, the thing that right to repair says they should have. Uh, for those not in the know, John Deere is pretty much the poster child outside of Apple when it comes to staunch anti-right to repair, when it comes to locking down equipment that a consumer or a business has purchased from modifying, using, or repairing that equipment the way they want to. Uh, think of it as you buy a Microsoft laptop and Microsoft says, you can only run windows on this and so help me god if i find someone else's ssd <laughs> like that's that's kind of what this was and uh you know obviously john deere is one of the largest names in agriculture uh you know multi-billion dollar uh company they've been staunchly anti-competitive and anti-consumer when it comes to uh, the maintenance, repair, and upgrades of any of their equipment uh, that they don't own anymore. So if you're a farmer and you buy a tractor and or uh, a combine or, or you know a seed planter or something like that, and uh, they're all very advanced anymore. They they are all GPS coordinated and and triangulated down to you know, within a couple inches of, of where your tractor is at, because <laughs> if you're trying to plant seeds or till, till over land or anything else, and you're trying to be exact in your rows, you need to be within an inch or so of where those blades need to sink down to maximize the amount of, uh, of product and, and crop you can imbue into the soil. Uh, and the tractors are very, very good at that. And there's a reason people go out and, John, and buy John Deere's. Same reason people go out and buy Apple. It's usually not a bad decision to go buy an Apple product. Even if it is expensive, it'll probably just work. Uh, the problem is, what happens when it doesn't just work? Again, these machines are not only technologically crazy, they're also mechanically crazy. Uh, they're big engines, big tires, big, big parts and a lot of computer control of a lot of different sensors that keep the thing running. When those systems go askew, John Deere was requiring farmers to go through an authorized John Deere service center, which was basically a first party only service center, uh, to get any kind of service or repair. And you couldn't use aftermarket parts. You couldn't have anyone unauthorized look at your tractor. Uh, if you were in the middle of a harvest, 
sometimes two or three days will literally determine your entire annual income and uh, uh, like what percentage of it you actually get uh and uh you know, the hops aren't going to pick themselves and the rain is coming. You know, we, we deal with that in Oregon every single year. Uh, and if you need to get crops harvested or crops planted, you need to do it today. And if your machine is not running, that's potentially millions of dollars of revenue. You don't have time to sit in a ticket queue and and wait for a service provider to get back to you in three to six business days and then, you know, tell them, oh, sorry, it's just a software update. We need to do something. You need to diagnose and fix and be on your way because these are not these are not consumer products. These are, this is not an iPhone that broke. This is not you know I can't play I can't play Spotify in my tractor right now. This is literally people's livelihoods and. Uh, John Deere's been opposed to that for a very long time. Yeah, it's not just people's livelihoods, but like producing food is sort of like an important function in society. It's kind of and everyone's that's, livelihood. When you put it's it kind of like, right, you know, and maybe not every single John Deere is working on food production, but I guarantee you there's a lot of them are. So I don't know. And, you know, people talking in the comments about lots of stuff, but like remember we read a story like i don't know maybe it was last summer or something where the wait times were weeks yeah not days yeah, multiple weeks and i mean i remember thinking when we were talking about that it's like this is a racket man it's like of course you're gonna pay whatever it takes to get your machine back up and running mm -hmm. when your wait time might be you know a month two months right. that's that's a that may as well be a whole year. Yeah. When you're when you're working in agriculture like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that's like farming is a big industry around where me and Jeff are. And it's like I remember so many times like uh my buddies, we'd be out late one night and they get a call from their boss at like three o'clock in the morning, like, it's gonna be a scorcher today. We gotta get the we gotta get the pipes over the beans or they're gonna burn up by the time the sun comes up. And it's like these guys are yeah that's how quick it changes yeah you know and if you need a piece of equipment that costs you a hundred thousand dollars in order to make sure your crop doesn't burn up or your crop doesn't something so rather some of these are multi-hundred approaching million <laughs> uh for for some of their larger ones uh so i mean six hundred thousand dollars is not outside of the realm of what a lot of these things cost yeah uh so yeah and it's you know and it's kind of wild i feel like it's I don't know. Farming is like a really weird industry where like historically, like, you know, we, we look at the way that um, like subsistence farmers operate, but now like in the modern day, you know, some of these farmers are like the equivalent of like the old sort of like, you know, like Lords of the land in a way, like some farmers are quite wealthy in terms of assets and, yeah. and, and money flow and all this sorts of stuff. And, I don't know. I feel like the the predatory practices of John Deere really can only exist under this weird system that's sort of cropped up in the last, you know, since since like the post World War II days. Yeah. Um, I, I, I even say in the uh, not to get too political, but in the consumerism era that we're kind yeah. of in right now. Yeah. Um, you know, th there is something to the 
and in fact, I made a Twitter post about this uh, a couple of days ago. Um, I think it was Pooch, uh, uh, Repcord uh, over on Twitter, 3D printing uh, aficionado and an and awesome all-around guy. Uh, I He held up a, a pack of number two Phillips screwdriver bits for, for a driver. And he goes, when did these become consumable? Because they sell them in 10 packs now. And I said, it happened as soon as DeWalt figured out that if they make the bits out of a slightly yeah. more malleable alloy, uh, they won't last <laughs> quite as long. And instead of selling one bit and literally you passing that number two bit down to your kids, you can now sell them in 10 packs, but they still last long enough that they still think you're a quality product. And they have not only saved cost in the production of, of raw or sourcing raw materials for that, they've also turned a one-time customer into a repeat customer. It's basically bits as a service. And it's, it's essentially planned obsolescence, but in a mechanical sense. And, yeah. and that is very much a consumerist, uh, consumerism pro, uh, you know, I don't want to make it a, a fridge that lasts for 20 years anymore. I want to make a fridge that lasts for seven years, but was good enough that they'll buy another one. No. Yeah. It, and it's kind of wild when you look at the planned obsolescence thing. All across the board, you know, we've been complaining about prices going up with NVIDIA products. We're going to complain about prices going up with other products today, I think. Um, but like even light bulbs, I swear to God, you know, it's like we know that the technology exists to make light bulbs, incandescent light bulbs that burn well over 100 years. There's one on display over on the East Coast. Yet then they make the transition to no, LEDs. It's in San Fran. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, my the, bad. The 100-year light? Yeah, it's in San Francisco. Yeah. So, but we know that that's a thing. And we know that they have the materials to do it. And we know that the reason that they don't is because the cheap light bulbs prop up an entire industry. Right. And then they make Phillips the switch to LEDs. would be no one without incandescent replaceable bulbs. Right. And they make the switch to LEDs. And what do they, what did they say on the box, man? These things are supposed to last decades. Yeah. And I have... I, I can't go to the store and buy an incandescent bulb anymore. Definitely. I know this because I've tried to do it for the last several months. They only carry LEDs. Mm -hmm. Each LED is $5. It is. And I, now, and I have replaced deal. every single one in my house three or four times. Here's the deal. Um, LEDs, in theory, can last forever. Yeah, sure. But the problem is the LEDs run on 12 or 24 volt DC. So you've got to convert your 110 AC into a voltage and, and current that can be understood by the LED and can drive it. So inside of every light bulb is a tiny little transformer. Those transformers can be made with some very inexpensive parts. <laughs> And that's what fails. It it's the it's your your voltage conversion. It's your it's your down conversion well, from AC to DC. The LED is fine, and yeah, and if they that's put, a beautiful sentiment. But and if they put that doesn't any change into or if they wanted to, <laughs> they could make a a transformer inside of a, a light bulb that outlived the LED. 
that actually made it 20,000 hours. But if you cheap out on a couple of capacitors, now, now you have a product that uh, is recurring revenue. Make them last at least as long as an incandescent bulb, and I'll pay $5 per bulb. Yeah. But Rectifier. as it's as it stands i used every I'm, electronics <laughs> i've lived in my house for less than two years and i've changed some of these bulbs four times that's not even an exaggeration yeah like i got to go to the store and granted i live in a small town so unless i want to go to costco or want, i want to do whatever like i'm paying small town prices right five dollars yep like Yep. I've probably in the year and a half that I've been here, I've probably spent over a hundred dollars on bulbs easily. It has to be more than you, that. You know what you need to do? Two hundred. You, you just need to bite the bullet and spend seventy dollars a bulb on Philips Hue. I have Philips Hue bulbs. <laughs> and those are fine. Um, but because I have this I have the smart because those are the smart ones, right? The hues. Believe it or not, I used to have a job building hues uh end cap displays um but yeah no the the phillips hues are fine but anyway it doesn't matter it's just an irritating fact of life yeah not only that i went to the grocery store the other day and eggs are you know a billion dollars and milk is a billion dollars and yeah sure of course the the light bulbs that used to cost me a buck 13 to buy chip shortage man i don't know yeah something like that (laughs) (laughs) silicon flu yeah uh (laughs) Oh God, not another plague. <laughs> um, Everything is more expensive and it's just at, it's just ridiculous. And I don't know, I, the John Deere thing, it's just a symptom of this like weird price gap. I mean, it's not weird. They figured out that we're willing to spend it, unfortunately. But the uh, geek points out a fantastic uh, uh, bit of information uh, and one that I, I knew in the back of my brain, but I hadn't been triggered in the conversation yet by dimmable bulbs uh the power brownouts f them up quicker and the dimmable ones can handle that because they're meant to handle variable voltages and again it comes down to the quality of the transformer and rectifier inside of the leds and the dimmable ones are able to adjust to that current and the cheaper ones are not so you've also you've also got small town power over there or are you the uh the pg i'm pge okay well, I'm not. Well, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, I have a pack. Solution. I-, I know that they're horrible for the environment, but I have, like, a few CFL light bulbs that have that have been used over a decade now. Uh, CFLs were the bane of my existence for 15 years uh, because I I get chronic migraines and the flickering from CFLs and fluorescent lights in general, massive trigger, uh, massive. I never had that with the mini CFLs. I I get that with like the big fluorescents. Yeah, I I did with with C8s or with T8s, T5s, with, with mini CFLs, with, yeah, all... Yeah, you know what? At one of my last Chief workplaces, LEDs does it too? Like one of my last workplaces, I complained about uh, the fluorescent bulbs, and I asked if I could get some, you know, uh, shelters to help shield the light from my desk, and they never responded to me, and instead they changed the fluorescent bulbs on the entire floor. 
I'm like, you could have just given me some collapsible light shelters here. Like I've seen um, other people on the floor have, but nope. My, uh, my old office we got we got special uh t5 uh conversion tubes in our office uh to switch from fluorescent to led and uh had special fixtures implemented which were uh what were known as a light rain fixture uh it was you hang the you have to have a tall ceiling to do it and luckily my old office was a 14 foot ceiling uh it was wonderful uh but you hang your lights six feet from the ceiling or, or, you know, four feet from the ceiling and you project 90% of your light up and you only allow 10% direct down and, uh, and you use reflection for everything that even on CFLs it, or, uh, sorry, full, full size fluorescence, it's, uh, uh, calms the, uh, the flickering effect uh, of fluorescence and in LEDs essentially eliminates it. And since there's no direct light, it's uh, fantastic for migraine sufferers. Uh, as it turns out, three of the five people in my office suffered from chronic migraines. So we got to be a fantastic test candidate to see if it actually worked. And I will yeah. vouch for those lights and, and those fixtures. You know, everybody in common is sort of like uh, diagnosing the, the all of the issues with LEDs. Mm -hmm which is which is great uh you know but what gets me is the fact that i literally can't buy anything else in my store yeah. so it doesn't matter what the issue is <laughs> you what they buy doesn't work or last or what they sell doesn't work or last yeah. or function properly and and I, you know, and nobody's sitting here diagnosing or trying to tell me what to do. They're just yeah. talking about the LEDs. No, no, but no, no, the, they're, the... they're not standing by the industry. They're just telling you yeah. the problems with it. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but that's what's frustrating is like all of these issues are known. Yeah. Yet it, there's it, nothing you can do. The, you the, have to buy this product. Is, if a single company came out and made an overspec LED that didn't overheat, and had proper electronics backing it for for AC DC conversion uh, could handle voltage variances from forty to two hundred and eighty volt, and and produced you know clean sine waves and and fantastic performance and and everything else. I'm sure that company would do quite well, but I'm sure the other companies would want to put them out of business very quickly. Uh, so would Cree sell LED drivers to X company if they started making lights that lasted forever and started threatening other businesses? This makes me really mad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I said, like, there was a switch sometime between World War II and now. Yeah. And, I just used to be able to have right. They did make fridges different back then and yeah. whatnot. I, I just will, I, I will say for as much as many, many industries are suffering from the planned obsolescence or you know, cutting corners to 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 save money in lieu of quality and longevity. Um, there is an industry that has benefited greatly from an increase in uh machining precision and that's the automotive industry uh cars are lasting longer than ever so long as you treat them properly and give them proper maintenance you know there were 
there were cars in the 70s, 80s, 90s that if you bought it, they were 100,000 mile or less ticking time bombs. Uh, yeah. You know, the, yeah. the Dodge Neon comes to mind with a with a head bolt that was too shallow so you couldn't torque the bolt down enough to hold the head gasket tight and they blew out their head gaskets within 60,000 miles. Uh, yeah. Well, see, here and here. There's every the, GM product from 1985 through 2000. Yeah. David Ashwell says, Rat is both right and wrong. Yes, you should be able to buy a product that just works. But also, when have you not had to Frankenstein electronic hardware in the history of electronics? I'm not talking about, like, some device which you can you know bootstrap or jailbreak or do it my I'm talking laptop about, that's running linux yeah. right now <laughs> i'm talking about a light bulb that you screw into a socket that's hanging from your ceiling like i'm talking about the things that i used to be able to buy for one dollar and 13 cents that would burn for two years without an issue yeah like there is nothing for me to do with these products. There's no Frankensteining this. I'm not going to buy a box of light bulbs for $5 a piece and crack them open just so I can light my house. I will literally buy a flatbed of CFLs and just poison the entire countryside while I'm at it before I have to do this. Like, just give me a light bulb that works. I understand what you're saying, though. Like, generally speaking, yeah, electronic products, like learn how electronics works. This is a light bulb. It is one of the most basic electronic items ever invented. For God's sake, some idiot invented it in his basement while claiming credit for it. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. He's not an idiot. Nobody's an idiot. Tesla and Edison are not idiots. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like, come on, this was it was invented before computing. Um it was invented. Uh, Light whatever. was it's one of the main reasons that electricity started spreading. Yeah. Uh, and we started generating electricity at city size scales was yeah. to it light was safer. things up, especially above the 45th uh, parallel, because it's night at 3.30 here. <laughs> yeah. And it was safer to do than piping gas all over the city for your, for, for your <laughs> you candles, know, right? Your and your streetlights were, street were gas powered right. too. You know, it's like I don't know. It just it just bothers me that like don't let these people off the hook, David Ashwell. You know, yeah. These uh, <laughs> it's a light bulb. I'm not talking about a computer. I'm not talking about my shortwave transistor radio or a guitar. I'm talking about a freaking light bulb. <laughs> now Andrew says, so what if? Uh, so if you provide clean regulated power for your light bulbs, will they last longer? I guarantee they will because voltage fluctuations are what kills <laughs> electronics, uh, particularly too low of a voltage will kill electronics. That's what kills, so, that's what kills computers when, when brownouts happen. It's not voltage spikes. It's feeding 48 volts into your power supply that will fry your electronics, uh, and, so and fry if I had computers a power and monitors conditioner. and things like that. If I had a power conditioner, like, you know, uh, after the fuse box leading to all my lights, uh, would that help? Probably. Well, I don't know how to set that up safely, but <laughs> right. that is well we used to my realm of expertise, my, you know, my, uh, inside my realm of expertise telling you about Linode. sponsor. <laughs> don't beat me to the joke. Dang it. Uh, I was right there. Who's the ad shill here? Me! <laughs> Today's episode of Talking Heads 
is brought to you by Linode. Hosting your own servers always means you get to host all your own problems. Even the most skilled network engineers will tell you you should decentralize your network. So why not host your services with Linode? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software for most of the tutorials you'll find on my channel, like how to run your own ad blocking, recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex servers, and more. They offer shared CPU plans for as little as $5 per month and can scale as high as your needs go. Whether it be virtualized hosting, dedicated enterprise GPUs, NVMe block storage, and more. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode is also expanding at light speed, with 12 new global data centers planned before the end of 2023. Visit linode.com slash craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing. And again, a huge thanks to Linode for sponsoring today's episode. Oh, what a fun show when we can spend 30 minutes talking about light bulbs. <laughs> we got there from John Deere. Well, yeah. That was going to be a great craft extra clip. And then it just, it just all, yeah. Some of my favorite, favorite thumbnails for craft extra clips has been John Deere related. I one time, <laughs> I one time took the doom poster and replaced the doom man with a John Deere tractor. Nice. That had guns on it. Yeah. So go check that out. Yeah. It was actually not that long ago. Uh, DEF CON 2022 that we covered, a John yeah. Deere controller on a tractor being jailbroken, getting root access, and playing Doom to demonstrate it. That's um, exactly the clip. And uh, and yeah, it, that was a fantastic achievement because it broke through John Deere's monopoly on their own hardware uh, and, and kind of opened the door for getting diagnostic information, getting all this other stuff. Now, John Deere in the memorandum... Uh, most people says don't. most people might be a little hesitant to 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 hear oh but they say they still won't allow for trade secrets to be let out and they'll just call everything a trade secret actually i read through the memorandum and i'm actually barely impressed like better than apple or worse remember when apple came out about a year ago and said we're going to start providing parts for our computers and and hardware and we're only going to charge 30% of the retail value of the complete device if you want to buy a motherboard. Uh, and uh, God help you if you ever need to replace a screen. Uh, but uh, it was so few products and so few items and no real trust in the consumer to be able to do the job because Apple says, no, it has to be done properly because we're Apple and it has to be done within certain spec. And so you can rent our screen puller for only $1,500 to replace your $100 screen that, that we totally didn't charge you $600 for. And if you don't return the screen puller removal put her back her on thing uh within 30 days we will charge you the full 1500 plus the full retail cost of your screen oh plus there's also a core charge so you're not going to get your money back unless you give us your old screen and if you're a service center you cannot have stock on hand you have to that's not right to repair that's not what that is and and i blasted apple as such and i said they're trying to do just enough to keep the ftc off their backs 
Yeah. Uh, John Deere, this memorandum read different. It read totally different. This read as an actual legit change in business practice. This read as we're going to release diagnostic information. We're going to release actual service manuals and trainings. We're going to allow consumers and service centers, authorized or not, to buy parts and have backstock and be able to support our infrastructure. Because if the customer wins, the business wins. Like, there's so many companies that have forgotten that. That, Yeah, unfortunately, right? We've seen that so many times. It's like, yeah. I say it all the time. Like, good business costs you the least amount of money. Mm -hmm. And yet so many businesses make the most money with bad business just because... I don't know, because they're so ubiquitous because of so many other reasons, but yeah. we see it time and time again. Good business practices can save you money. You know, they talk all the time about even like, like, oh, woke business. What are they doing? They're trying to like being woke can make you more money. You're like, why block out a whole market? Right. Because why, you want to exclude 20% of potential right. customers over and that's, they have money and, too it spends all the same <laughs> right and it's and it, that's good business you know what i'm saying I, right i don't know it doesn't make any sense to and, me but... and personally like that there's always the whole nazis in a bar thing like we're not a yeah. nazi bar if a nazi walks in we're not going to kick him out though well eventually you'll have six <laughs> yeah. nazis in the bar and if you don't kick him out then you became a nazi bar like that's how that happens. That's I'm the sorry. Road you go down. Plus, plus, is a lone bartender gonna kick out six Nazis at once? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, but I'll kick one <laughs> mother to the curb. <laughs> like, right, right, exactly. Remember that. Remember that. Uh, that Eugene Bakery. This is you gotta love Oregon for this because we're like ground zero for the. Uh, yeah. You know, for this type of stuff for the that Eugene Bakery woke crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Eugene, of all places, too. Uh, My um, hometown, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of that. The joke Bender says in that one episode of Futurama. I haven't seen a homeless camp this big since Eugene, Oregon. Or, uh, 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 or no, uh, we're the biggest hobo camp this uh, in the in the quadrant. No, I've seen bigger. Oh wait, I'm thinking of Eugene, Oregon. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. It's the episode where I think uh, whatever it doesn't matter. Yeah, where I, Bender I, goes to become uh, a cook. Percent Iron Chef. Yes, exactly. Nailed it. Uh, I'm getting there. You, you can't out-reference me, man. <laughs> no, no, I, I wasn't trying to. But yeah, it, that lady uh, right at the start of COVID, you know, these rabble-rousers go in and they're making a video. I'm uh, not wearing my mask in here. And she's like, no, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. And yeah. It caused a huge row, you know, and uh, she's just like, she's finally like, grabs a bat from behind the counter. And she's like, get the F out of here, you know, and they're like, what are you going to do? Hit us with this? So she starts hitting him with the back. Yeah. <laughs> that, some of the greatest quotes are, what are you going to do? Tase me? <laughs> and it's like so many people are like, I can't believe she did that. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but she acted within the bounds of the law. Like she trespassed them. She did all the things that you're supposed to do. She <laughs> warned them she was going right. to hit them with a bat. Right. And they're like, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> I've officially trespassed you. I have issued notice of trespass. You are still infringing on my right as a business owner to exclude service from anyone yeah. that I deem, you yeah. know, unfit for service. And uh, and uh, and and if anybody and if anybody disagrees with that interpretation of the law, 
the police of all people showed up and agreed with her interpretation right. and arrested the trespassers. Right. So, yes. <laughs> and they and they and their infinite wisdom filmed it trying to think like we got them. We got them. The police are here. And all they did was get footage of their own arrests. <laughs> it was a real pre-January 6th moment. It was like, hey, look at us doing crimes. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was. And you could just see the poor police officer. He's like, the guy's like filming the interaction and the police officer just goes like. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> like you could tell he was on their side, but his hands were tied, you know, yeah. after hearing his own testimony. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you should me out, but I don't have to wear a mask. Um, you're on her property. <laughs> you kind of do. I don't know. I don't know. Good business makes you more money. People. Yes. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Anyway. Absolutely. We went way off the rails uh, here. Shout but... out to SC who says, my wife is playing this show to her unborn child. We hope they grow up to respect consumer rights. I hope they grow up to respect everyone. Uh, and if, if I can give anything from this show, it is we're all people. Treat people as people. People, human rights should apply Our consumer to rights. <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> I've always been a staunch believer in that. I, I don't care who you are, what you are, how you recognize yourself, who you decide your life partner slash partner slash no partner should be, whether you want to have kids or not have kids or who you sleep with or what you do. I don't care because human rights should be a universally human thing. If he really doesn't care. I've tried to shock him many times and it just doesn't work. Right. It just doesn't work. Right. The the Rocky Horror cosplay, like whatever, man. It's your jam. It's not even Saturday, but but go for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully your kid grows up after listening to this and can abolish Apple. Um, that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, destroy the monopoly seeking behavior of mega corporations. Hopefully your child doesn't have to grow up. Small, um, small businesses. Yeah. Like remember playing, uh, what was it? Uh, outer worlds and like your first interaction with that guy is in the cave and he's all like, Oh, you have a med pack for me. Wait, is it spacer brand med packs? Cause I, I'm, I contractually, I can't have any other med pack. Right. <laughs> like I, hopefully I your child jokes in that game. Dude, that like the capitalist, like mega court no, thing in that game. I'm going to have to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, dude, come on. Oh, uh... We're way off the rails. We are. Way uh, well done, John Deere. I, I just about have another beverage to pour, and then we can jump into the Intel news. Now, I will say we're off the rails, but we're doing a pretty good pace to get through all the news. So Yeah, I think so. I poured another beer. If only we hadn't spent 30 minutes on light bulbs. That was a good talk. I don't care. It what was you a say. good talk. It was a good talk. Andrew, you know the five dollars. Uh get off my lawn. Uh Proxmox. Uh, ZFS, 21 terabytes raw, eight three terabyte disks. Ooh, good God. Uh, I put <laughs> into a single eight terabyte virtual disk. The pool reads full. If I make five X one terabyte disks, the pool, the pool reads full. Why? Um, you're going to have to elaborate a little bit further. Uh, I don't know if it's sick brain or you're limited to 280 characters but uh i'm, I'm not quite 
getting at what you're putting down. Uh, put 21 terabyte raw. I get that. How are you formatting it? Number one. Um, is it... It's Proxmox ZFS. I'm assuming Z2. So you would have two disk failover. So if you've got 8 by 3 that would be 6 by 3 so 18 ROM, more like 16 formatted. Um, RAID Z, okay, so closer to 19 formatted. Um, so, and, uh, oh, 20, yeah, 21 raw, 18, 19 formatted. Um, okay, put a single 8 terabyte virtual disk, the pool reads as full. I make five one terabyte virtual disks. The pool reads as full. I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea. Um, my Proxmox pools usually top out at about two terabytes um, just because I have a file server sitting next to all of my Proxmox servers. And if I need more... The only thing my Proxmox server does is boot operating systems. Everything else is hosted on my file server. So all of my IO is handled there rather than on Proxmox locally. Uh, so I'm actually not sure. Yeah, three terabytes, you've got like seven to nine months uh, uh, on good pools and then all hell is going to break loose. Yeah, Andrew, if anyone should know the, the, the problems with running three terabyte drives, it should be you. Uh, in fact, I've got like 20 of them you can have <laughs> just for extras. Just start chucking them in as soon as you've resilvered, uh, just throw another one in just to be safe. Uh, maybe that virtual disc is using all your space. Um, the three terabytes will have data already stored elsewhere. I am not worried. I also said, I'm not worried, but the problem is eventually they're going to stop working. <laughs> and it's not that you care about something being lost. It's whether you care about the server still turning on. So, uh, Jeff, implemented your advice on using a 5700G for virtualization in Proxmox. Ended with an amazing forbidden router that chews through workloads. Yes! <laughs> um... We were, my old organization, we were running a PF Sense box for a client and uh, we had it virtualized and I think it was on, it was virtualized, God help me, in Hyper-V, uh, dedicated NICs, but dedicated PCI Express pass-through NICs, but inside of Hyper-V, it ran just fine. Um, but I think we were on a V2 or a V3 Xeon, so Sandy Bridge or Haswell. Um, and man, we just ran into so many, so many issues of uh, threat detection and and blocks uh, taking up so many resources. And then the logging server on PFSense taking up an equal number or more number of resources trying to catalog that data. Uh, and we had to catalog it for this client. It was it was required. Uh, for their infrastructure. And uh, so we had to do something with it. And I finally decided I'm just going to throw more horsepower at it. So eventually I gave them a bare metal AMD Epic 16 core. 
PF Sense box. <laughs> yeah, we ran a 7441, I want to say. That is that the 16 core? 7441 Epic. Uh I'm... Yeah, it, it was something like that. 16 core epic. It was a 2 gigahertz base with a 3.2 gigahertz boost. Um, and it was just this side of Threadripper. Uh, and oh man, that thing loved, loved it some PF sense. Uh, Yano says, in love with Proxmox and PF Sense, I have I have it doing things I don't have enough characters to detail. Awesome. I love hearing that. Uh yeah, let's say your home lab never stays test. The production creep is real. Absolutely. Uh <laughs> as much as I love saying I have a full rack of home lab in my garage, I have nine-tenths of a rack of production servers in my garage and like one server that I can tinker with, but only some of the time. <laughs> so that's, that's the home lab creep. Yeah. Careful guys. You start off with a home lab bug and soon you end up with a YouTube channel. <laughs> yep. You gotta watch out. Yep. Honey, another podcaster moved in, in the street. <laughs> oh yes all right i'm gonna pour myself my second drink of the night uh first up i'm gonna need a coffee mug mm, there you go well it's not monday morning but all right nope real quick if you got it oh a cider oh what real quick i i poured myself a second beer already yes, go some for of it. you saw it but uh, uh, Laurel Wood Brewing from Portland, Oregon, a uh, great little brewery. This is called Kids These Days. It's a hazy IPA. And uh, it's fine. It's fine. I like Laurel Wood, generally speaking. I bought this. Uh, actually, a friend brought it over, but I was excited to drink it because uh, the description says, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and uh, they have hops from both the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere. So I thought that was kind of uh, cool and exciting. But uh, it's good. Totally drinkable, normal, hazy. It's nothing special. Uh, sounds like I've got a, a lot. It's it's less good, like, uh, for, for my fellow Northwesterners. It, it's not as good as, like, Deschutes sort of standard hazy IPA. I can't remember what that was, uh, what it's called. The uh, one in the orange label. Yeah, uh, Fresh Haze. Fresh Haze. It's not as good as, like, the Fresh Haze. Um like for a standard drinkable like staple hazy from a northwest brewery not as good as the fresh haze but it, it's serviceable and not bad uh which is key oh so what you're going for like a delightful hot little, little hot toddy kind of thing hot toddy okay um, my throat hurts <laughs> like you wouldn't believe right now uh so I, I got some some hot water. I put it in a thermos beforehand. Uh, and powdered apple cider. Of powdered things, apple cider. So. By the way, thank you, Be Quiet, for the wonderful insulated water bottle. Um, Wait, is that, is that where you brought your hot water down in? Yeah. Did you plan this the whole time? I did. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's still hot an hour and a half later. Thanks, Be Quiet. Yeah. I mean, Excellent you have a... Bottle. 
you have a craft computing water bottle right on the floor in front I of your do, desk. I do, but this there. one's 35 ounce. Uh, my craft computing water bottles are only 22. And I wasn't sure if I was going to make one or two of these. So. 22 but, ounces. That's almost two cups. I know. Two glasses. Yeah. Two full 12 ounce, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's yeah, I know cups. it's that. I know it's four cups, okay. but I'm talking no, about I'm just, like. I'm just standard. Checking. I'm talking about one of these, you know, okay. a 12er. Well, that's three. No, 22. Yeah. I'm talking about the craft computing. Okay. Being okay. Gotcha. Basically two cans of beer almost. Gotcha. What's going in next? Absinthe? Uh, do you want absinthe? I have absinthe. <laughs> I'm do not you have fitting. true true absinthe though, or this fake American I have garbage? True absinthe. I have <laughs> wormwood absinthe. Nice. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's right there. Uh, anyway, Rogue Ales and Spirits Rolling Thunder Stouted Whiskey. This is their... Uh, Rogue is an awesome place because they own a farm. They grow their own hops. They grow their own fruits. They grow every all the kinds of grain and whatnot. They then distill that grain into wonderful whiskey and make those hops and malt into some wonderful beers. But then they're left with the age-old problem of, well, I have all these whiskey barrels that were full of whiskey and now are and now are empty. And all of these beer kegs that like we could sell or we could just dump them into the whiskey barrels. And so they'll dump them into the whiskey barrels. And uh they'll let those sit for about a year. And then they'll take the stout and they'll sell the stout. And then they go, well, now we have an empty whiskey barrel, but it's filled with stout. So they'll put more whiskey into it and let it age another year. And that's what this is. And this is cask strength. This is straight from the barrel. Uh, you know, 116.26 proof, 58.13% ABV. Uh, bottle number 2,900 of 3,406 for 2021. I've had this bottle a while. Uh, from barrel 18 of 20 of that batch. Nice. You know, I know it's not quite applicable, but, uh, one of my best friends, he, uh, was the fieldman for, uh, Rogue and, uh, advised them on growing their hops. Nice. in the valley so yeah he was like their go-to guy he would go and inspect their hops and be like oh shoot you need this product and then would yeah. sell them like you know nitrogen or whatever uh oh shoot you need this and then sell them yeah. some other sort of product jeff doesn't care he took off his thing more wind no just kidding um anyway by the way rev uh says that uh rev says jeff by the way that Crumb together, the bakery in Eugene I was talking about, they had to close because they feared for their safety after that right wing attack. So, yes. Uh, which I didn't know, but not surprising because I probably would have done the same thing. Um, yeah. You know, right wing attacks are really cute in other places in the country, like in Washington, D.C., but here in the Northwest, we take them seriously. Uh, for those wondering if I have actual absinthe, actual. Oh, no, no. That's the fake absinthe. No, it's sorry, bro. No, no, no I can tell by looking at the bottle. That's the fake one. No, 100%. No. Genuine Wormwood. No. Yeah, they got you. Yeah, no. 110 proof. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I know you I don't are. know. 
As if I'm going to trust you for advice on spirits. I, I've i had absinthe. I, Tastes like black licorice. It does. I, I barely trust you for beer. But, but you don't trust me for beer. You're right, what are you I don't. talking about? I have just as much of a palate for craft beer as you. The difference is I also have a the palate difference is for trash. On right here. <laughs> I don't waste it, Jeff. I just also have a palate for trash beer. Yeah. <laughs> You think a raccoon can't tell the difference between garbage and gold, Jeff? Come on. Yes. No, they can. Exactly what they can. (laughs) Have you seen the raccoons around here? They're not the healthiest of creatures. (laughs) We only have ourselves to blame for that. Do I have any 151 black rum? Um, I know I don't have any 151. I do have some... Havana Club Spiced. I've got some Kula Dark Rum uh, from Hawaii. I've got Myers Blackstrap. I've got Kraken. I've got Sailor Jerry 92. Um, or 94. 94. 94. Uh, what else do I have up there? I got a lot of good rum. A lot of good rum. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Rhett's palate also slums it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does slum it a lot. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, next big thing, water aged in used bear- beer and whiskey barrels. Um, actually, you know what? I have, in the last year or so, become a really big fan of hopped water that is not making beer but essentially dry hopping sparkling water uh and it's it's delicious it's it's a zero abv five calorie beverage that you can drink that is crisp refreshing uh i've been really enjoying having some hop water uh uh klaus toller uh German brewery makes a really killer hopped sparkling water that's pretty fantastic. Uh also Rhett can attest to this. I've actually been testing out some alcohol-free spirits lately. Just yeah, to see we had I an sp- old fashioned the we other day. We had an old fashioned at like nine in the morning the other day. That would pass for an old fashioned. It did. It and it was good. It like oh not a cheap old-fashioned yeah it was it was right really good i enjoyed a, that. a little heavy on the orange and a little sweet for for like my normal palate liking but for like a morning old-fashioned that was delicious yeah david sends i need to send you guys some jackal beer works uh yeah address is in the video description feel free uh we'll open it on the show I love getting beer in the mail. Not that anyone would ever send beer in the mail. Uh, All right. Uh, Pixel 7 owners report spontaneously shattering of camera lenses. The breakages are reportedly happening despite phones not being knocked or dropped. Some owners say they've discovered the issue after use in cold temperatures. 
This kind of aligns, and I'm speaking out of my ass here, this kind of aligns with the use of <laughs> tempered glass uh, in, yeah. in displays, where glass is held under too much tension and not allowed to contract or expand with temperature changes. Um, now, is it happening? Obviously, something is happening. Obviously, yes, pixel screens are breaking at uh, an above normal rate. Uh, or rear cameras are breaking at an above normal rate. Um, but this can probably be attributed to flying a little too close to the sun when it comes to the thickness of your glass, the, the specific mixture, alloy, whatever you want to call it, of your <laughs> glass, uh, the tempering process itself, uh, yeah. use temperature versus device temperature. Like, yeah. like, is the device getting abnormally warm in that particular region, in particularly the cold climates, and, and it's leading to fracturing? We know glass cracks uh, in, in the cold due to device changes, due to environmental yeah. changes. Uh, in fact, I walked out to my truck this morning to discover two cracks, which were not there the other day. Yay. I have never, never had to replace a windshield on a car. And all of a sudden, my truck develops two cracks, and I'm going to have to replace the windshield on it. Jerks. Yep. Yeah, I had a car. I had to replace I had to uh, replace the windshield like three times. Super irritating. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I thought this story was interesting. Number one, because it seems to be kind of a, a widespread phenomenon. Yeah. Number two, because it's from The Verge, which I know Jeff loves. Um, They're and not real journalists, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I do not respect them. <laughs> They're robots. Uh, but also number three, because I just bought a Pixel 7. Now, I, I'm not no, using it. My wife is... They're even worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My wife is using the Pixel 7. And so I saw this headline. I was like, oh, God, I hope not. And then I, you know, I read the article and I was like, hopefully Oregon is safe from this phenomenon. Uh, given uh, current extreme weather trends, I doubt it. But yeah. who knows? Maybe we'll scrape by. It doesn't sound like it's obviously not happening to every single Pixel 7 user. Right. But enough of them, you know, and especially people who like, they're like, yeah, the phone is fine. I put it in my pocket. And then I came in and it was like, Oh, that's broken. Yeah. Oh, there's there's broken glass in my pocket. Like Yeah, and and the fact that it's the same break across multiple user reports. They're all breaking in the same location. It it's the, yeah. this, this screams of some environmental slash device QC issue yeah yeah exactly so i don't know i thought it was an interesting enough issue you know we've talked about uh you know new uh device qc issues like this before and particular to me and uh in this instance but maybe to you as well worth keeping an eye out if you have just bought a pixel 7 because they were you know i don't know affordable <laughs> during the holiday sales right. Uh, I thought about it, but I just got a 5A and I freaking love it. Nice. Yeah, I'm still... I've also never killed a phone before. 
Um, and mm. uh, yeah, I have. Uh, I've broken <laughs> the screen on one phone ever, and I was devastated when I did it. Um, this is going to age me a bit. Uh, this was in 2005, and I dropped my sidekick. <laughs> Got him, mother. Uh, I dropped my handspring visor, <laughs> which was the offshoot from Palm Pilot. And in the handspring slot, I had the cell phone module and it activated it with my service. And so my Palm Pilot was now my cell phone years before the iPhone. Uh, I years had... before the iPhone, 2005 was one year before the iPhone. The iPhone came out in to 2006. To be fair, the handspring module came out in like 2001. Yeah, okay, uh, but when did you get it, Jeff? 2005. Because, okay, yeah. Because eBay. Nice try, Jeff. <laughs> I bet you weren't counting on me I was knowing. Still the... young, okay. I bet you I weren't counting on me either. knowing the exact year the iPhone came out. You idiot. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I was at work. And I literally just straight up dropped the device oh. out of my hand. And it hit corner first and shattered the screen on my handspring visor. I and that was, was back when like, the screens shattered. Yeah. Like, like, like shards of glass firing everywhere. Like, I'm pretty sure I could hit my current phone with a hammer and it might not break. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I'm not saying like whack on it. Like, but try, if I try to break this it. and break it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I had an iPhone, uh, an iPhone four that I was borrowing a few years ago, like 2015, and I took it to Central America with me because I was, I don't know, you know, I was worried about losing my device or my device wouldn't work down there anyway. So I I brought this other one. I thought I could buy a SIM card while I was down uh -huh. there, and I went to go put it in my inside pocket and missed. And I was in a city that was just old cobblestones everywhere. Uh -huh. And the thing just shunk, poof, and the glass poof, just exploded out to a thousand pieces. And I thought this is the worst luck of all time. And there was just enough a layer of broken glass left that I could actually still use it. But I lost, like, I'm not kidding. I lost like half of the thickness of the glass on the street. And I've dropped this phone like that. A dozen times yeah and i'm like whoops yeah and it doesn't break no. even on cobblestone streets not that i've been on many cobblestone streets with this phone but, right uh well, cobblestone streets where you're from <laughs> yeah we've um, upgraded right but concrete yeah. baby but yeah no the only phone i'd ever damaged to the point of needing repair was that handspring visor which wasn't even a phone so i don't know if it counts it just had a cell phone module in it <laughs> again i'm dating myself uh but uh good god that was almost 20 years ago i know i uh, know you're so old <laughs> you're a you were an adult back then i was, I was still a, an adult then i was i was a child still <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, this last year, I left my phone in one of my pants pockets. So I have these uh, awesome pants that have a dedicated cell phone pocket. So instead of like wearing cargos, they have a smaller pocket that's slightly further up your thigh. 
And it's fantastic because your cell phone can drop right in there. And I still have room for my wallet and keys in the pockets nice. they belong in. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And so I love these pants. And I left my cell phone in there. And my wife didn't check for the phone and ran them through the wash. And yeah. The yeah. <laughs> and that bad boy's still kicking. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Oh, no. R.I.P. No. Uh, Rip. <laughs> And uh, that was a phone I had had for over three years. I had a Pixel 3a and mm. uh, I bought it in October of 2019 and I rocked it until October of 2022. And uh, and I was going to keep rocking. It's like, I don't need an upgrade. That's where I'm at. Yeah. And, I've uh, got the 4a. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got the 5a. Uh, my wife, the month before, also broke her phone. Mm. Uh, so she went through two phones in two months and I'm not letting her forget that. Uh, but, uh, she broke her phone and, uh, at the time the 4A was like 199. It's so, like done. Like, yeah, that's, that's great the, phone. That's one I bought. Love that phone. Um, uh, in October, maybe it was, maybe it was September, but, uh, when my phone broke, I got online and you can get a 5A for the same price for 199. <laughs> I went sweet 5A. That's, that's not a bad deal. Yeah. They had even a trade-in deal too, where you could yeah. get it for like a hundred bucks if you trade it in. Right. Right. Yeah. I, uh, well, yeah, I told Jeff to this turn morning on to get the trade-in deal. Yeah, that's true. See, I've broken every phone I've had until I switched to the pixels. And I told Jeff this morning, I had a hell of a morning getting to work. All of these horrible <laughs> things happened to me. And for some reason, this was a divine moment. I opened up my coffee cupboard and I looked at all my coffee cups. And for some reason, I, I reached for the the wide one. Yeah. He got the I don't know why. Mug. And the damn thing, it's like, I know that the wide mouth lets the coffee cool off faster. All of these awful things. I get in my car. The damn thing won't fit in my cup holder. So I'm holding it between my legs and I'm backing out. Oh, I spill hot coffee all over my pants. So I'm soaked. This is a miserable experience. And I take my phone and I put it in my lap and I'm trying to figure this out and manage the, the stick shift and all this sort of stuff. And as I go down the very steep hill of my driveway, my phone just chunk slips right into my coffee cup. And it took me a second to realize and I'm driving and I'm like, oh my God, how long was this thing in here? And I pull it off. It's still working. And I'm like, and I'm talking, it was like upside down all the way to like to here in coffee, you know? And I'm just like, damn it. And I'm like trying to like dry it off while I'm driving. It's still working, you know? It's playing music through my Bluetooth. And I'm like, oh God, I hope this is going to work later, you know? And it still does. It still works. So I don't know. I think that that's auspicious, you know? That's, that's some good luck right there. <laughs> yeah, I've dunked phones before. Like, it's not that I haven't tried or been through like a that should have killed the phone moment. Um, I dropped my gosh, I want to say it was my iPhone 3G uh, <laughs> in a gravel parking lot that was half mud, half gravel, and it got yeah. ran over by a car and survived. Oh, like, yeah. uh, like it was not in a tire track in the mud, and uh, and I managed to pull it out and. Still you were like, thanks, it, Tim it was, Apple. It was fine. Yeah, thank you, Tim Apple. Or actually, at that time, it was still uh, uh, Johnny no, by the doing all of the... Oh, okay. Yeah, this was still Steve Jobs' days. Uh, so. uh, by the time he got to the 3G, I'm pretty sure he was dead. No, he wasn't. No, he didn't die until after the... Because he was on stage for the, the four, you're holding it wrong. 
Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But I, I knew that the iPhone... Not even the 3GS, which was the one that shot video for the first time. I Look, you know what? I knew that the iPhone came out in 2006. What else do you want from me? I don't keep up with Apple like I can that, give you the whole right? history, including <laughs> iPads and revisions. Right around the Air 2, I start to like lose the, the plot because so did Apple. But... Uh... You know, you know how I know about the when the iPhone came out is because I used to do a joke when I did stand up comedy about when uh, what was it? New Horizons, the space probe, New Horizons uh -huh. that went past and got us all the images of Pluto. Yeah, that launched in 2006. Yeah. <laughs> so I did a joke about, you know, what was everything that happened in 2006 when the space probe launched and one of them was the iPhone. <laughs> quite the setup yeah what a what a dumb thing to hang on to i don't know uh, at this point i'm just trying to make sure we don't finish our news stories before the end of the <laughs> I know. uh all right uh amd radeon rx 6000 gpus mysteriously start dying german repair shop receives 48 cards with cracked gpu dies uh this is definitely an interesting story and something to keep an eye on. Uh, I have, I had not heard about this until today, but one card is happenstance. Two cards is, well, two idiots. Four cards is four idiots. Like, like in GPUs, you've got to <laughs> stack up a certain number before you get past the XOC crowd. And then the people who think they're the XOC crowd, sorry, Brian, I love you. Uh, <laughs> and then you then you finally get into the consumers who have actual issues and it's like you gotta you gotta get past like 40. uh once you get past 40 it's like okay this is actually happening to real people um so rx6000 cards are spontaneously just like shattering gpu dies uh the silicon on top is is uh pixel sevening itself i guess you could say uh so there's a, there's no real smoking gun here uh, because for the most part, temperatures seem to be pretty well in check with the RX 6000 series on pretty much every cooler that came out. There's not like a bad design that came out, especially yeah. around the GPU itself. Like there were a couple that might've gotten negative marks from like gamers nexus and hardware unboxed because well the memory was running at 78 instead of 62 well it's rated around at 105 so it's like it, it's still okay chill guys uh but uh uh yeah once you get so many cards especially to a single point all with the same type of failure but all very much different cards uh, and all different series and all different PCBs and all different heat sinks and mounting configurations. It's a little concerning. Uh, so uh, there's no, there's not much more to say other than uh, Chris Fix, uh, a YouTuber. Uh, by the way, go check out his channel. Uh, articles in the video description. You can find his YouTube channel in there. Uh, received 61 cards for repair. Uh, which were a mix of RX 6900 and 6800 GPUs, and 48 of those dead cards had cracked silicon on them. 
which is not a real common failure. Uh, it's it's usually an overtensioning and overheating, a combination of the two, XOC attempts gone wrong, uh, or something else entirely. So really interesting to see what uh, what the end result of this is going to be. Oh. Uh, it's not just yeah. the GPU that died. All 48 cards also had a shorted SOC rail, shorted memory rail, and shorted memory controller. So there was some massive failure that essentially overvolted the CPU and blew it up, or overcurrented the CPU and blew it up. Uh, so something to keep an eye on, especially if you're an owner of an RX 6000 series card. Um, I daily drive an RX 6900 in my gaming PC. Uh, so... Definitely has my attention. Uh, and if you have a, a 6800 or 6900, uh, it should probably have your attention too. So uh, I wish I had more on this story, but that's really all there is. It's that there's a bunch of GPUs with cracked dies, and we don't know why yet. MNC sends over $10 super chat. Thank you so much, Llama. I almost feel bad doing this, but uh, he has been so confident. The iPhone launched in June 2007. Love to both of you guys. Yeah. Dang it. Okay, can, so... Can I correct? Can I... Now, I just read the comment. You've been furiously Googling, okay? No, no. Can, can yeah, I make I, a correction? Yeah, it was ahead. announced... In June 2007. That's exactly what it was. It yeah, I just I just looked it in up. In November of 2007. Yeah. And in fact, so I was right. And that's what it was. So New Horizons, the space probe, launched in 2006. iPhone was announced in 2006. And uh, yeah, so I, I was being cute with him. He's 100% right. And I, <laughs> I appreciate you giving us the $10 to tell me I was wrong. That takes this thing out just a little I will bit. Take that $10 and drink that beer in front of him. I was thinking, no, surely not. Surely you're mistaken. I Googled. No, he's right. Okay. Nope. Uh, what else? What, uh, oh, no. I remember now. Do, do I... you know also why 2006 couldn't have been it? It's 2006 was the Intel transition for G5 PowerPC Silicon to Apple Silicon, and that's where all their engineers were focused. <laughs> 2007 was iPhone development. Well, if Llama can rest easy knowing one thing is that I will never forget that the iPhone came out in 2007 now. <laughs> Oh my God. You want to hear something awful, Jeff? I was a sophomore in high school in 2007. Yeah, you're welcome for that one. Stop. Yeah, you're welcome. Or a junior. Take your pick. I guess by the time the iPhone was in, uh, out. Okay, when the iPhone was out, I was a junior in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. You're welcome, you old fart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, dang it! I hate being wrong, but also, I'll take your ten dollars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not going to buy any Rainier with that. No, uh, that'd buy a lot of Rainier though. So. Would buy a lot of Rainier, but I don't have room in the fridge. So, yes, lol. I have to give money if I'm going to come in and do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm a good sport. You guys can always tell me I'm wrong, but the the super chats appreciate it if you're going to do it. <laughs> David chimes in. Does that mean Jeff's statement of years before the iPhone is now accurate? No, it's barely accurate. Years implies three or more. Years, it's like the word few. Years is just plural. No, no, it's no, no, just no, no, plural. No, no, no two no, no, years no. is still years. I'm gonna go no. with David on this one. Sign up. Let's sound off in the chat. Let us know what the you truth don't want to do that, Rhett. Sound you off in the that. chat, guys. Guys, think about the systemic power structures guys in play. And gals, sign and up in the chat. Tell Rhett that I'm right. Uh, people, <laughs> sound off in the chat. Think Michael about this class of 81. Okay. I'm fine then. Class of 81, that's nothing. Right. You're a young sprout. Way to go. Class of 81. Uh, Jeremy, this... I was 30 years old in 2007. I was. Yes. You were in your 20s. Shut up. No. No, you weren't. Shut up. I know how old you are. You're not that old. You're you're, <laughs> you're barely older than me in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't do math right now after this many beers, but <laughs> it's funny to make your wheels turn though. <laughs> are you older or younger than John? Uh I'm younger. Then yeah, John is barely. John is barely older than me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, wait, because I think John's... No, now I can't keep it all straight. It's all I, I know how together. old John is. I'll tell you after the stream. I know John through my brother-in-law, and mm -hmm. I think John is younger. John must be older than my brother-in-law. John can't be five years older than me. He's... Fine, he's six years older than me. He's not a much older than that. No, he's <laughs> shut not, up. He's that, but... <laughs> but you're in the right ballpark. <laughs> My brother-in-law is five years older than me. And John is not that much older than me. Uh, I can't remember it's where John was. <laughs> okay, okay, good. <laughs> Try. We're doing the old Japanese now, hierarchy really fun, thing here. What's really fun? Steve is ten years older than I am. Yeah, Steve is. <laughs> I and I remember because Steve has such a young soul, and I was talking about how we were all millennials. That's a really good way of saying he still holds his liquor well. I wasn't even talking about that. He's just like he's just like so with it, you know. I I, and we were, I have two friends who are more. I'm I'm sorry, Mike. Are well and above my senior who can still drink me under the table, and it's Mike and Steve. You don't, I'm sorry. No are, one knows Mike here, but everyone knows Steve here. Are there young people that can drink you under the day? It always comes with age. Not a, not really. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't that. met them yet. Uh, Have you never played cribbage with a bunch of grandmas? I mean, now you're drinking your Rainiers and they're drinking GNTs, and they got you like they're not only beating you at cribbage, but they're three GNTs deep while you're trying to work on your second Rainier. Right. And. Right. And no. you're you're on the ground, and they're just like, <laughs> you suck. Right. Meanwhile, they're popping pills in between hands. Like, no, I get it. Um, so <laughs> let me preface it this way. Um, 
You remember the day we went out drinking. I say day. Uh, in Vegas with a couple of reps at Bootlegs. Yeah. Okay? Yes, yes. You know that rep. Yes. That rep is younger than me. Okay? Uh, that Not hard. Rep, no. Uh, physically younger. Of this world younger. Um... <laughs> The other rep was older than me, but not not by much. Uh, so okay, we went yeah. out, we went out drinking with two two reps. I'm gonna leave them nameless because statute of limitations may not have expired yet in their prospective <laughs> regions. Um, but uh, we we went to a party and uh, had a bunch of drinks, and then it's like it's nine o'clock. We need to keep this party going, and so. Rhett, myself, and these two other gentlemen uh, went out to Bootleggers in Vegas, which is uh, uh, one of the classic uh, Prohibition-era bars in Vegas, and it's amazing. I love Bootleggers. Oh, it's such a good bar. Cool uh, spot. I sat in Hugh Hefner's booth. It was great. I sat in Elizabeth Taylor's booth. Yeah. It was wonderful. Um <laughs> Anyway, the whole relationship that I had with those two representatives was because one of them was German and, and said, like, he can outdrink anyone. And I said, well, you've never been drinking with me. And so between the four of us, we racked up, what was it, an $800 bar tab? Yeah, it was more than that. It was more than it was that. Right, it was like not. And mind yeah. you, there was no food. <laughs> everything consumed at that table was liquid in base <laughs> uh we racked up an 800 dollar bar tab with four people <laughs> with four people yeah <laughs> and that stemmed from a conversation that i had the year previous uh to you going with that particular representative that it's like but you haven't been drinking with me yeah <laughs> And that, <laughs> yeah, and that that party, like, or that you know that that event definitely summed that up. We left for sure. at four in the morning and had a seven a.m. meeting. What the hell was I thinking? We called the actor who plays Hodor on the phone, and That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys ever seen Game of Thrones, Hodor, you know, <laughs> we I called... totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. We called him on the Say phone the and he thing. let me. Say the he thing. let. He let. <laughs> anyway, I'm probably getting too specific now, but yeah, that was. I, I think that's specific enough. Ah, <laughs> and I just I just remember like you were like you you like looked at me and you like gave a wink and you were like, "All right, guys. Well, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, why don't I go ahead and get this one." And they and they literally started like fighting. They each started other. no, no, no. Cards. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, now I hope none of my reps are listening right now, but it's a surefire way to get a free meal if you invite a rep out to a meal because the rep will pay because it's yeah. on it, it. It's expenses. It it it's it's expensed. They got an account, um, you know. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's. Uh, there's a normal expense, and then there's trying to write off an eight hundred dollar bar tab. <laughs> Yeah. No, uh, that's probably so one normal of, one for of the reps won because the other one got up to pee and the other one paid the tab while the dude was in the can. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I <laughs> that was a fun night. 
I will not forget that. Ah, that was so great. Uh, you can tell which which video or which <laughs> day that was because uh, yep. we did a vlog the very next morning at seven in the morning. And it's, it, it, it's of me filming my feet, walking to the elevator, going down the elevator, and walking into the continental breakfast, going, Yeah, because you go out drinking, which was work, but then you have to get up for real work in the morning. I actually have to do work still in the morning. Uh, oh, and by the way, our meeting was with that rep at seven in the morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's true. And all of a sudden, we had to put on our game faces and was like, so this is the new thing that we have this year. God damn it, my head hurts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I miss CES. I so wanted to go back this year. I'm really bummed yeah. that it, it just didn't work out. Yeah, that's all right. There will be other non-pandemic years. Yes, and, and that's what I... That's what I came to the, I want to say realization, but it wasn't just that. It was more of like an understanding Yeah. of like, there'll be other years. Um, and I've got three kids. I've got two people in the house with autoimmune diseases. Yeah. I, I don't need to be taking any chances. And, yep. and that's kind of what it came down to. Uh, so I would have loved to be at CES. I, I can't wait to do in-person content again. Like doing PDX this year was freaking awesome. That was great. Um, which by the way, we'll be back in March. Uh, and I'm hoping to not only be there gaming all three days, but also, uh, displaying another freaking awesome piece, uh, PC. So, yep. yep. Hey, Hiccup Jeff is here. All right. Just in time for eight o'clock, baby. It is what it is. It is what it In-person content. We got our whole lives ahead of us. And luckily, yep. we have all of you fine people watching and listening to uh, to this wherever in time you may be, whether it is now, whether it is tomorrow, or I guess technically now in the future, because you're listening to me say this now in podcast format or VOD. Um because of y'all, we get to uh, keep doing this. So By the way, hopefully... I'm using a screwdriver to stir my uh, cider because I don't have. Is any it other a be quiet screwdriver though? It's not a be quiet screwdriver. Mm, it's failed. A, it's it's one that came. Gosh, where did I get this one? It wasn't even like a heat sink or something. It was like some random electronics project where they have a couple of jumpers on the board and they go, "Oh, screw these terminals down." Yeah, yeah, of yeah. I'm sure this is plenty safe. <laughs> and as long as y'all watching this and we're still with us we will be doing in-person content someday so michael says i might have missed but did they talk about intel and hbm2 yes we did hbm2e sapphire rapids uh coming to the workstation and uh and server realm rocking 64 gigs of hb hbm2e memory uh stacked cache up to 56 cores um i don't think i went over all those specs in the uh initial video i think we got sidetracked with like freaking light bulbs or something um but uh yeah intel sapphire rapids 64 gigabytes of hbm2e on board did we talk about that i don't think we talked about this we might not have 
How did we, we skip have. this? Well, we have a couple more news. If you want to go a little bit over, we can... I, I want to go over because I want to talk freaking Sapphire Rapids. Holy crap. You, did, you did go I, for the... Did I literally skip from AMD to, to John Deere yeah, and then on this, to the you, Pixel 7? Yeah, you skipped you skip this one. Oh, God. So why, why don't you hit this? I'm going to be right back. Get started on this, and we'll cover this. We can go a little bit over. I, I can totally do that. So Intel Sapphire Rapids, it's live. It's a thing. Go buy it. Holy crap. Uh, no, I didn't talk about this. How did I not talk about this? I don't know. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Sapphire Rapids. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about potential rumors of Sapphire Rapids uh, integrating memory and doing a bunch of different things. But we have official specs now that we can actually talk about. And holy crap. I was excited about AMD's MI300 announcement. This one has me even more jazzed uh, because of potential storage server implementations, uh, because of the lack of Optane uh, DIMMs and Optane integration that are in the market since Intel left the Optane market uh, and the, uh, the 3DX point or 3D cross point, whatever the bloody heck you want to call it. Uh, Intel Sapphire Rapids. Officially official with HBM2 on board. Up to 56 cores. Every single SKU will have 64 gigabytes of HBM2 memory on board, which very much like Optane can be addressed in a number of different ways. App specific, uh, memory specific, or a combination of the two. Uh, in the app specific modes, you can write applications that will specifically take advantage of uh the 64 gigs of cache space and utilize them just for that particular application. You can also do memory expansion. So you can add basically an additional 64 gigs of HBM2 cache space to your existing memory pool. That is a fantastic option for those who need a little bit, a little bit tighter integration of CPU and memory cache to, uh, pool cache to SSD cache to cold storage. Like, like there's a whole sequence of things that can happen in data centers with storage servers with that huge implementation of that. Up to 112 and a half megabytes of shared level two cache. <laughs> Again, that is a huge, huge number for Sapphire Rapids. And much like AMD, that is going to be shared across the entire platform of chiplets. Uh, Oh, by the way, did I mention there's chiplets? There's four chiplets on this board, each with 16 gigabytes of HBM2E, all with a unified L2 cache. Oh, it gets good. Uh, up to 350 watts of power. PCI Express Gen 5. Uh, man. Oh, sorry, I said chiplet. It should have been tile. Sorry, Intel calls them tiles. Uh, but... Uh, Yes, uh, it's it's a heck of a beast, and I honestly can't wait to play with one. Like I, I, I want one of these in my lab right now. I want one of these to play with. Uh, playing with the little bit of Optane memory that I've been able to uh, in my server rack, I haven't even scratched the surface of what's possible. I'm just using that for crap tons of memory at this point. Like, I can run a crap ton of virtual machines, even though I only have 16 cores in my server, and it can just hold them all in memory and then, like, 
pick and choose which thing it needs to do right now. It's fantastic. But man, if I can get 56 cores instead of 16 or even better, 112 cores, because you can put these in a dual socket arrangement with PCI Express 5 storage and DDR5 memory, we are we are smoking now. I knew about the existence of this for a while, and I'm really glad I get to talk about it now, and I'm really pissed off at myself that I glanced over it in, in, in the general news cycle. I let you pass right over it. I had the tap open. Mm -hmm. and we moved right on, and, and I, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of a case of everything old is new again. Um, Intel first started integrating memory caches of DRAM cache into CPUs all the way back in the Xeon Phi and Knight's Landing days. Uh, a lot of you probably don't remember that particular chipset because, well, it kind of sucked when it came to market. Uh, it wasn't very... It was highly efficient, but it was a lot of low-speed cores trying to do the job of a lot of high-speed cores. Knight's uh, Landing was essentially a glorified... 486x processor uh scaled up to two gigahertz like like it wasn't great uh sorry it was original pentium tech uh scaled up to two gigahertz and putting like 72 cores onto a single die with like 256 megs of dram cache shared amongst it which is decent, but it's not HBM2. And it didn't have the L2 cache to support all the CPUs. And the CPUs didn't have the boost frequency or even the clock speed to keep up with the demand of the memory channels. And it was a great idea, but it just wasn't... There wasn't enough physical realities there to make it a possibility yet, if that makes sense. Uh, in fact, I have some Knight's Landing... Uh, uh, accelerator cards, and I've been wanting to kind of tinker with them. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I have four of them, and I, I thought about making, at one point, a meme machine of how many cores can I put into a single server of, like, sliding four Knights Landing uh, PCI Express accelerators into a dual Sapphire Rapids HBM uh, system. So, like, 112 physical cores and what is that 72 times four that'd be uh 288 uh uh like accessory cores ancillary cores on pci express bus that'd be fun i don't care who you are that'd be a lot of fun i don't know what you use it for they're not virtual machine accelerated so you can't even dice them out to like virtual machines to like go, oh, you only need to run like two services. You're you're cool with like three Pentium cores. No, it, it doesn't even work like that. You have to have socketed Knight's Landing CPUs to get uh, Intel VTD support or VTX support. Uh, and, uh, but I still want to do it. I don't know why. Probably because I paid $20 per accelerator card. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Sapphire Rapids HBM memory official as of yesterday. Um, 
they are touting some massive gains in memory bound applications in x86 high bandwidth applications uh as well as storage caching ai accelerated workloads very similar to what we're seeing with amd with integrating essentially a zen 4 cpu with 128 gigs of hbm3 onto a gpu die intel is kind of integrating a very similar workflow with their uh alchemist uh server gpus and sapphire rapids hbm it's just they're separate components but they're still meant to work very closely with one another and uh what does Intel call it? the core one api uh they're they're tying the gpu and cpu as close as they possibly can uh at the bare metal level so there's a lot of efficiency there there's a lot of really exciting things there especially when it comes to supercomputing ai acceleration all that kind of stuff man it's never been a better time to be in the market or be in the environment of being able to do that kind of stuff so that's sapphire rapids with hbm 2e there you go at least we didn't miss it guys Thank you, Michael, for asking the question. It's like, I swore I talked about this. Oh, crap, I didn't talk about this. How did I skip right over it? It was fourth in the list, and I skipped right over it for freaking Pixel 7. That's on me. That's on me. Light bulbs outshined the new Intel tech on this <laughs> channel. Yeah, sorry. I'm gonna, I want to go watch Star Wars after this show is over. Uh, me too. Star Trek. He says Star Trek. I... Why did I say Star Wars? Jeez, I'm I'm even wearing the like look at this. Look at this. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I said Star Wars or I read Star Trek. I swear I did. Uh uh question. Is it okay to pair a Xeon with a home PC for gaming? Uh pay attention on Friday or Saturday when I do just that. Uh, I've done a lot of videos on using a Xeon as a home PC, as a workstation, as a gaming PC, and there's another one coming out this week, so stay tuned. Yes. Short answer, yes. Long answer, watch the video, but also yes. <laughs> Star Wars is way worse. I don't know. Now, take aside the new trilogy. So take different. aside 789. Okay? I don't know that Star Trek and Star Wars have ever been better than they are right now. Yeah. Not only that, they aren't competing. You know, that's always been like the old joke. And they're joke. not competing. Oh, they're, not, the they're not divergent. You can enjoy both and it's fine. Yeah. I always have very easily. I'm a huge sure. Trekkie and I love Star Wars. And that was always like the big joke. Oh, tricky. Oh, I'm a Star Wars. One is a fantasy story or a space opera at best. The other one is like hard science fiction. Hardcore you know? sci-fi. You know, yeah. the best of humanity and 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 everything. Uh, and uh they're very different, but but just because they're in the same genre doesn't mean they appeal to the same group. They doesn't both have mean... spaceships, that's it. Right. You know? They both take place in space. That's about where they diverge. Um, and, uh, I love the aesthetic of both. I love the ideology of both. I, I love yeah. the, uh, 
the stories told in both. I love that Star Wars is trying to go episodic with their content. That's a problem that I think Star Wars had for so many years because people go, oh, Star Trek or Star Wars. Well, Star Wars has three movies. Star Trek has 326 episode seasons. Yeah. Yeah. They're different. Um, Yeah. And then the prequels came out and the prequels, think of them what you will. I enjoyed them. Not fully, but I enjoyed them. And, uh, and they, they filled in some blanks that I otherwise would have had. There were some things that I probably wouldn't have included in the story. There was some really regrettable dialogue, but overall I enjoyed it. But after the prequels came out, we got things like the clone wars and, and whatnot. Yeah. Amazing set of episodic content. Uh, that was, I say animated, but also not geared towards kids. Like it was on Cartoon Network of all things, but it really was more of like a a retelling of what happened between episodes two and three, with with Obi Wan and and Anakin and and the whole Republic falling apart and the political dissonance and the Jedi's being hunted to extinction. It's such a great story, um, and. Uh, it, it's something that Star Trek always had a leg up on when they said, well, we can just tell individual stories and they they can span 42 minutes and people will stay tuned. And meanwhile, you do summer blockbusters, but that's all you can do. And and they came up with Clone Wars and they're like, we can do episodic too. Yeah. Well, then Star Trek started to come out with some bomb movies. Like 2009, couple, dude. A couple Oof. of the originals were, were okay. You've got... I disagree, but Wrath of Khan. Uh, Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan least. is so good, dude. It's one of my least favorite movies. I got to say, one of your least favorite movies in general, or Star Trek movies. Yes. Oh, get out of. Okay. I I don't like Wrath of Khan. I We're don't. twenty minutes past the hour, I and know, you're gonna and drop then, this bombshell this up now, right? We don't even have time. This is bullshit. You don't get to just drop <laughs> this and. <laughs> Like, yeah, we don't have time to argue you point for point on this. All we can say is that you're wrong. I will schedule time next time you're on and we will debate the finer points of Wrath of Khan. They're over the deafening. You want to talk about original series movies? It doesn't get better than Wrath of Khan. Oh, I think it does. And it's Voyage Home. Voyage Home is fine. Not say nuclear vessels. <laughs> um, Voyage Home's good, but I'm just like, yeah. What I, I know <laughs> that there, there's a couple people. I cannot believe you, Jeff. I don't like Wrath of Khan. Cinematography, okay, and guys. Wise, he figured out how to get attention. Don't give it to him, okay. Yeah, he figured out this is the best way to get clicks We're on the channel. Talk about this party, <laughs> I guarantee you. So maybe we'll have it out there. But yeah. I'm telling you, Wrath of Khan is not a good movie. It's not. I'm sorry. I've seen some bad movies in my day, and Wrath of I used to have a podcast watching bad movies. And you know what movie we never watched? Wrath of Khan. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now here's the deal. Uh, so Star Wars started going 
they, they came out with some more movies and then they started going episodic early 2000s. And then Star Trek started going more movies when DS9 and Voyager were on their tail end. And so we started yeah. getting, you know, Generations and First Contact and Insurrection contact and Nemesis. Good, yeah. And uh, I don't think any of them are bad movies. I think there's definitely one that shines above the rest, and that's definitely First Contact. First Contact is the best. First Contact and is GOAT. And I, I have a soft spot for Nemesis for some reason, but it's I really not that great. I like, do too. It's it's not a fantastic movie, but I think it's, at its core, it's still a pretty decent story. Yeah, and it, it's, it's better it's than... It's an episode it, of Next Generation that was stretched across like yes, an hour and a half. Yes, exactly, yeah. And, it's, and in that way, it's better than Insurrection, and it's better than uh, mm -hmm. Generations. Mm -hmm. Like, Generations was too campy. <laughs> Generations was campy and was playing too much to the... Yeah, we're finally going to do away with Kirk. You can finally accept Picard as your true captain, even though Star Trek Next Generation is no longer on the air. Yeah, uh, this is 1996. This was a year and a half after Next Generation ended. Yeah. And uh, and they're like, can you finally let go of Kirk? Tell you what, if we kill him, is that good enough? And that was the whole premise of Generations was like, if we kill Kirk, can you finally accept Picard? Meanwhile, I'm going, Cisco's my bay. Like, <laughs> uh, but. Which we could also argue about, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. I know. Speaking uh, of DS, fireable offenses. The DS9, you know, fandom is very strong compared to my passion for the next generation. But, mm -hmm. and, and I can't argue that Deep Space Nine is not a good show. I just feel differently about Cisco versus Picard. I and do. I think that's fine. You can feel differently about one character or another. You have a right to be wrong. How dare you be so agreeable about this? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, Voyager ended, and then it's like, well, we've got a couple movies, and that's really all we have. Like, in, like Nemesis came out in what? 2000 2001 like it wasn't it no it had to be later than that because i was playing morrowind when i watched it for the first time oh on, so 2002 and i rented it from blockbuster oh so 2002 maybe 2003 <laughs> i don't anyway, know when did it come out anyway star trek started to go more towards movies like the shows weren't doing very well obviously enterprise was kind of a flop with only five seasons oh, fuck. um was 2002 Huh. I must have watched it on VHS in 2003. You find <laughs> things, I know things. Um, and then there was radio silence from Star Trek outside of the J.J. Abrams flicks from 2009. And 2009 was fine. And, and set its stage to be like, we're going to go our own direction. We're going to do our own thing. We paid homage to the old and accepted the, the tradition and the fandom therein but we're also going to go our own way and here's why we can go our own way and here's why you have to accept it in canon and everyone went i'm on board i love yeah. what you did i love that yeah. a different person i love spot's yeah. a different person it's fantastic <laughs> it was so good and then they went straight back to wrath of Khan, and i went son of a but it was good though it was a good movie into darkness is the worst star trek movie since undiscovered country no, it isn't. Well, 
No, no. It's the worst movie since one of the Next Generation movies. You could say since Insurrection and you'd still be right, but it's still a terrible movie, and that includes Wrath of Khan. It's the second best of that, like, series. <clears throat> no. Yes, it was? No. My God, you don't even know what you're talking about. Beyond was a better movie than Into Darkness. And and I'm even glossing over the fact that the whole thing could have been solved with a transporter and knowing Beastie Boys sabotage. Which is a great song. It's a great okay. song. It's not a song that can defeat an army of drones that you can surf a galactic starship on. Yeah, that was Beyond. Beyond had better characters. Uh, oh, it didn't. Beyond was so. You, beyond you watching, you're just like, dang, dude, Chris ben Pine checked out. Snatch. Like, he is a great actor. Yeah, and they put him as Khan. Which was awesome. That was a good choice. Which was fine. Yeah, I forgot. You prefer Nameless uh, Woman on Beyond Planet. And the other guy, yeah. Who are the who are the main supporting cast and beyond? Can, can can I can I correct you in that Jayla was a finalist for a girl's name on our list? That's fine. I don't mind that. <laughs> and then you went and saw Solo, and you're like, that name is better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking more Nerese. <laughs> or uh jack from uh uh the uh, pitch black series there you go yeah <laughs> uh more about that in the after party I'll, I'll divulge the whole second child naming thing in the after party but <laughs> anyway it is 8 27 it is i know time to go. i can't believe we went this long you broke me into arguing about star trek i did and you still lost this has been talking heads episode 267 it's my show i get the last word damn it <laughs> Thank you so much for watching. Join us every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Hit us up on Craft Extra if you just want to see the clips from this show. Get your bite-sized news in bite-sized chunks every single day of the week as long as Rhett is doing his job. Uh, follow us on Mastodon. I'm at Craft Computing. I'm at HostX.Social. Uh, you are, Rhett is awesome, at... Mastodon social? Yes. Oh my God, you knew it. Thank God yes. I couldn't remember. I'm yep, just going to Ma- claim everything as a win tonight. So there we yeah, go. Good. Yeah, you can have that one. That was a good one because right. I couldn't remember, but you, you nailed it. You can find things. I know things. <laughs> anyway, join us every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. And as always, we will see you next week.